Well, 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 good morning, Bridge City Church, Murraysville. I hope you're having a good time today. And uh, man, I am excited. Did God really say part three? And if you haven't heard the previous messages that are leading up to this one, I urge you to go to our website and get a hold of them and uh, see what God will speak to you and, and, and communicate to you through this. This has been a really cool, cool series. I hope you've been enjoying it. Basically, is the Bible uh, reliable and is it trustworthy? And what we're doing is we're challenging our worldview. We're challenging ourselves. Do we have a biblical worldview or do we have a United States of America worldview or any other worldview in between? Because there's a whole bunch there. You know, I grew up in a little town close to here uh, in uh, Level Green in Trafford area. And when I grew up there, there was a road that left Level Green, and we referred to it as Murraysville Road because that road led us to Murraysville. Now, I found out later when I got older that when Murraysville, if you were to go um, west down Route 22 to right where the McDonald's is, and if you made a left and you crossed the railroad tracks and you bear right, that's called Trafford Road. Now, somewhere in the middle, it changes names, okay? And there's a lot of discrepancy exactly where it changes. But I always thought it was interesting that if you're in Level Green or Trafford, it's called Murraysville Road. But if you're in Murraysville, it's called Trafford Road. When really it's the same road, it's different perspectives on that road. It depends where you are, what you're calling that road. And so many times when we deal with hot button issues in, in our lives and in the church specifically, we're looking at things from where we are and we're calling it a certain thing, but other people on the other end are calling it something different. But what we need to agree to with this is we need to agree, and for those of you listening at home, I'm holding up a Bible right now, this is the roadmap. Okay, and we can call it different things, but this is clearly the roadmap that leads us and guides us so that we can meet in the middle. And a road is still a road. The word is still the word. And that's what we're taking a look at today. Let's go to our verse, um, the two verses that we've been launching every week. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16. Let's say this out loud together. Are you ready? Now, here we go. All Very good. Here it is. All scripture is useful. Now we live, I said this before, we live in an argument age where we live where every, everything's an argument anymore. But the other thing we live in right now is an inspiration age where everybody wants inspired, everybody wants encouraged, everybody wants their ears tickled to make us feel good. But very, very few people, as Pastor Eric said last week, come to church, walk in and say, Pastor, I can't wait for you to correct me today. <laughs> said no one ever. 
Yeah, nobody really comes to church and says, you know what, I'm just looking forward to somebody correcting me. Somebody getting the word out and challenging me. But that's what the word does because it does four things that we learned here. First of all, it teaches us. It gives us doctrine. It gives us precepts. It gives us things that, that, we, that we believe. Then it, we realize what's wrong. When I read the word of God, I realize what's wrong with my attitude, my actions, my words. But then it corrects me. It restores me. And then it trains me because I'm being equipped for every good work. How about you? These are the four things that we see in the word of God that it does. And this is what we've been uncovering here. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a battle for the heart and soul of Jesus' church right now. Yes, there's a cultural battle going on. There are societies in upheaval. We have a, we have a, a storm in our crisis, right, in, in, in our culture. We have a crisis and a storm going on like I've never seen. How about you? But I know this. God has created us for such a time as this. That means he trusts us a lot. Look at your neighbor and say, he's even talking about you. God, look at him and say, you too. He trusts us a lot. No, see, it's this flip of our mindset to say that God trusts us with his church and with the core ideology of who he is to live it and demonstrate it in such a way that brings glory and honor to him. Listen, I want you to know that um, starting a week tomorrow, we as a church are going to do three days of prayer and fasting. Yeah. We, I mean, prayer and fasting is just simply doing without food so we can focus on God. And we're going to, we're going to meet every day for three days at 6.33 a.m. and 6.33 p.m. to pray right here. And uh, if, you, if you look up Matthew 6.33, you'll understand why we're meeting at that time. That was Pastor Eric's idea. And it was a good one. I liked it. So it was good. And Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to seek first the kingdom of God, and we're going to pray. And so we're going to meet here. If you can't make one of those, make one of the other. Come together, and we're going to pray because our culture our, uh, needs us right now. Come on, we're in a storm. And, and, and how many of you all know, it's not if you're, if you're ever going to be in a storm, it's when you get in a storm. Are you with me? Do you live in the same world I do? And so this is it. This is a story, this is an actual picture in Galveston, Galveston, Texas here of one house that was rebuilt with a foundation. And this is after a hurricane blew through. How many of y'all know there's only one house standing there? And you got to decide if that's going to be your house, but the only way that can be you is if we have a foundation in the word of God. If we have a biblical worldview that shines forward on what is found clearly in the word of God. How many of y'all, you would like to have that house? Come on, that's the house we want. I want to know it stands, the, it stands through storms. That's it. That's the one I want to be in here. Okay, here's the big ideas. Let me review very quickly for you. Belief produces behavior. What you believe produces how you behave. A worldview is a mental framework by which we view, in which we perceive and understand our current reality. It's the intellectual, moral, spiritual. It's the emotional filter by which we see our world. The bottom line in having a biblical worldview, it's an overarching thought process that what is clearly in the word of God shapes how I perceive the world. See, too many people are taking what they see in the world and trying to find an obscure scripture to prove it. And we got to look at the foundation because we want a house that stands. Are you with me here? 
See, that's that's what we're looking at here. Now, I just want to stop for a moment and say that the Bible, the Bible is the most vetted document, the most vetted document in the history of the world. Vetted means carefully examined. Do you know that there's 60, over 66,000 manuscripts of the, of the Word of God? Do you know that if you were to lay each of those manuscripts end to end, just in the New Testament alone, it would be one mile long. The Old Testament would be 1.5 miles long. 1,500 years, 40 different authors, all confirming things that were generations apart. The Bible can, is reliable. It can be trusted. Do you know that the, that the um, average classical writer, actually, the Bible has that much in manuscripts. The average classical writer has, has about four feet. Four feet, 2.5 miles. No, I want you to catch this because many people say that the Bible's outdated. It doesn't prove. No, the Bible over, proves itself over and over and over again. I don't know about you, but I am a product of what the word of God can produce in somebody. Amen. I'm thankful for that. And I believe that in prayer, and I believe that the people who receive prayer today, that you're a story of that the, that the word of God changes lives. How, how, are you all with me? Amen. See, that's the big idea here. It's the testimony of changed lives. That's what it really is. 1 Thessalonians 2.13. Therefore, we never stop thanking God that when you received his message from us, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which of course it is. And this word continues to work in those who believe. I, listen, I believe with all my heart that this word continues to do a work, produces an energy, an effective working in those who believe that we can be useful for every good work. There's an energy it produces, and that simply means it's, it's effectual to the end result of equipping us so that we can be that house that stands firm here. So the bottom line is this. What we need to ask ourselves in in times that we're looking at situations in our society, in our culture here, is we need to ask ourselves, are these mere human ideas in human words, or is it God's word? There's a lot of times I'll meet with people and I'll say, okay, I need to ask you a question. Everything I just told you, is it the word of God, or is it the word of Rick? No, seriously, that's a good question. Because if it's the word of God, and it's, that's being illuminated and being understood and changing and transforming us, that's a good thing, right? The word of God does that. But are they human ideas or are they God ideas? My friends, this is the war that's going on in our culture right now. This is the storm. This is the crisis. This is what's going on here. And we need to understand things and, and let, yes, look at the road, but, we're, we, but we got to get off sometimes of just, this is where I see things from, so this is my only perspective. And today, I want to challenge your worldview. Here we go. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? Did God really say all men are all men created equal? No, what did God really say? What does his word say? So I'm going to give you four uh, four instances in the word, and then I'm going to try to unpack it for you. And I'm going to try to try to look at some things, look at this with you today, so that we can be changed to be more like Jesus. How many of y'all want to be more like Jesus? Come on, I do. How many of y'all know to be more like Jesus, we need less of you? 
yeah, okay, that's the hard part. <laughs> I need less of me and more of him, come on. Let me just say this first of all. The Bible, the Bible, the Bible is the, found, is a, is the foundation for a productive, prosperous, protected, and peaceful society. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that. Well, a society that has the word of God, I'm telling you, they're protected. It's peaceful. I didn't say there's no problems, but it's peaceful. It's peace in the midst of storm. It's prosperous. It's productive. This is what the word of God does to a culture and society. So here we go. What does the Bible teach about race? Colossians 3.11. Colossians 3.11. In this new life, in this new life, how many of y'all have a new life in Christ? I got a new life in Christ. It doesn't matter if you are Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. I mean, there were a lot of divisions in the Bible. I mean, I don't know if you realize this or not, but the first problem that the early church faced that's recorded is a race problem. Acts chapter six. It was a racial problem. Do you know what the church did? They spoke to it and they solved the problem. The church did it. They didn't wait for somebody else to do it. The church had to do it. Are you with me? Galatians 3.28, there's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all what? You are all one in Christ Jesus. Here we go. Look, the blood of Jesus Christ takes down every wall. There it is right there. Okay, let's look at another one. Acts chapter 17, verse 26. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Do you know that even in the Old Testament, God separated according to nations? Do you know the difference between the nations? Let me tell you the difference between the nations. There's were those who followed God and those who didn't. Look, read, read all through the Old Testament. There's those who followed God and those who didn't follow God. We, let's not complicate it into all the different ethnos that are found there. These nations, and so God wants to draw nations to himself right now. What is God doing in the world? I believe that even in the midst of crisis and craziness, God is drawing nations to himself right now. I believe that. And I believe he's drawing us to himself right now. So for, from one man, we see this. See, here we go. The culmination of all things in Revelation 7 verse 9. Here we go. This is, this is, this is before the throne. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count. Aren't, heaven's going to be too great to count. Amen. This is going to be fun. Heaven's going to be so much fun. We have so many people so, so attached to this world right now. I don't know if you know this, but heaven's going to be so much fun. I am not going to get a diaper and a harp in heaven. I'm just telling you right now. 
is too many people have diapers and harps in their mind, and that's not going to be me in heaven. Listen, I'm going to rule and reign with him, and it's going to be cool. Come on, somebody. I mean, this world's good, and it's cool, and I like it, but you know what? Heaven's going to be so much fun. You know, I mean, we got, we got the wrong, there's going to be so many people there. And I'm just, I'm just interested in the banquet. I don't know about you, but my, my first thing, I get to heaven, I want to know about the banquet. Come on, I want me a smorgasbord. Come on, somebody. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, I'm digressing. Come on, back on target. Back on target. And, I'm, I'm, and, and there's, here it is, too great to count from every nation, tribe, and people, and language standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. Yeah, yeah, and they were clothed in white robes. They didn't have, like, oh, I'm sorry, you're from over here. You get this kind of robe. Oh, you're going to get this kind of robe. Oh, oh, you're Irish. You get the green robe. Oh, you're Italian. You're going to the kitchen. You get the red robe. Then we're not going to do that, right? I'm not saying it's a bad idea. I'm just saying that's, that's not what's written here. Okay, that's my idea. So we say, thank, thank God, Rick's not God. Come on, somebody. Yeah. yeah. No, come on. But, but they're, they're palm branches in their hands, there's worship going on. So I see all the nations and tribe and tongue coming together. It's going to be fun. And I think that Jesus' church needs to look a lot like heaven. Okay, so at Bridge City Church, at Bridge City Church, we are multi-ethnic. That means, listen, listen, Irish, Italian. You know, I, I can't change the fact that I'm Irish, Serbian, and Croatian. I can't change that. I can't change the fact that my wife is all Italian. Can't change, I, don't know why, I don't know why I would. I wouldn't want to change that. Good answer. See, I'm a smart man. Come on. You're feeling the anointing about now. And, but there's, you know, Hispanic and European and there's African. There's all these different nations. Are you with me? So, but at, at this church, we're multi-socioeconomic. We have blue collar, white collar. We have lower, middle, and upper, upper class. We have all of them. That's why I love having four campuses because you go to any one of our four campuses, they're so different. And it's so much fun because when we all get together, though, at the park, like a couple weeks ago, we all got together at the park. You couldn't tell who was who. Right? Okay, and, and we're multi-generational. Right? We've got, we got fire generation. Where's my younger generation? Fire. Some, some raised their hands by faith. How about the focus generation? Older? Come on. Yeah. Come on. That's what we are. But we're multi-gifted and multi-talented because Jesus didn't give out talents equal and fair. Read Matthew 25. Some people get one, some people get 10. He did that. God did that. No, really. And there is everything in between. But I'm going to tell you this we have one culture the kingdom culture. We have one standard. The kingdom standard. This is it. One standard. This is it. This is our standard. This is our, 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 our rule book. I'm going to use that loosely right now, but this is the roadmap. Are you with me? Yeah. This is it. So we got to figure out how do we put together all of these things 
into this, into this worldview. So this is the bottom line. With a biblical worldview, there's only two types of people. They're saved and unsaved. I'm using saved for those who have a personal relationship with God the Father. Jesus Christ has become the forgiver of their past and the leader to their future, and they are in a personal relationship with, with God the Father through what Jesus Christ has done, and only Jesus, not good works. And then the unsaved, those who just haven't been there yet. No, no, make no mistake about it. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. Amen. It's just a lot better if you do it now. Are you with me? It's a lot better if you do it now because if you wait till it's too late and after you die, it's not good. That's why we take this very seriously because what's at stake is heaven and hell. This isn't the church. This isn't what church gets bigger. This is heaven. Heaven gets bigger. Are you with me? So there's two groups of people here. So if there's only really one human race, and the Bible teaches us that, how does it reprove me and how does it show me what's wrong? Because anytime somebody uses these terms, there's something broken. Anytime somebody values one race over another or looks down on a race different than their own, or espouses ideology that one race is bad and another is inherently good. Anytime somebody says, those people. Anytime somebody says, I'm not racist, but. Anytime somebody says, because you're a different color, you owe me, there's a problem with these statements. Because we are one. And we, gotta, we, we need to change our worldview. I'm not here to talk to all of them. I'm here to talk to you today. So if you is here, God chose you to be here for such a time as this. See, anytime we use those, it denies, they, they have zero biblical precedent to say any of those things. We have to decide, are we going to have a human ideology and humanistic thinking, or are we going to have a theological thinking? Now, make no mistake about it. I believe we live in one of the greatest countries on the planet. I've been to other countries. I've seen it. I believe we live in a great, great land in a great nation, even with all its warts. I believe it. But there's a war going on. There's a reason people are trying to get out of every Marxist, socialistic country there is right now. And there's a reason people are risking their lives to get into this country. I'm not here to debate how they get in. I'm just saying there's a reason. 
But if we miss what God's doing in such a time as this, we're going to miss the point. So I want to talk to you this morning. What does God really say? And I come to you in much brokenness. What does God really say about social justice? What does God really say about critical race theory? Let me just say this. I believe that social justice is hijacking the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because I believe the more we're focused on social justice, there can be no righteous justice. I believe that we've gotten our eyes as the church, the big C church in general, we've gotten our eyes off what really matters. And when you get your eyes off what really matters, you're going to get derailed. We're going to go down a road that we thought we were going down and it doesn't lead us to where we thought it would go. Social justice and critical race theory is like this. It focuses on the oppressed and the oppressor. And it separates everybody, either you're an oppressed person or the oppressor. The problem is, it removes the equation of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. Because Jesus doesn't leave people as the oppressed. He lifts them. He frees them. True freedom. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. See, that's a cross. That's the cross. That's, that's what this screen, that's what this points to. And I'll be honest with you, unsaved people aren't the enemy. They're just doing what sinners do. What did you expect them to do? It's like, it's like leaving a three-year-old in a room all alone too long. What did you expect them to do? I don't know. I just thought they were just going to sit down and, and color peacefully for two hours. Really? Sinners sin. And saints sanctify. And that's what the difference is here. So the problem, the root problem in our country is not racial, political, socioeconomic, sexual orientation, or gender. It's the sinfulness of man. That's the problem. And when we point fingers to everything else, we're losing what the real problem is. And we're focused on all the wrong things. So critical race theory, what's the big idea? Parents, you gotta get educated. People, we gotta get educated. We sent you an email on Thursday of this week, if you're on our mailing, with a, with a, with a teaching about what, what it is. You, you should have got it. If you didn't, please let us know. Maybe we don't have your email. We'll get it to you. You can listen to, to, to a, who, a who a man's much more eloquent than I am and who clearly communicated what's going on in our schools and what the big deal is. You gotta listen to that. You gotta, you gotta grab a hold of that. 
Contemporary critical race theory views reality through the lens of power, not the Bible. Dividing people into oppressed groups and oppressor groups along various axes like race, class, gender, sexual orientation, physical ability, and age. The problem is, is that only the oppressed people can see it. I'm not, I'm not saying it legitimately. That's the problem they're saying. You would, you'll only see this if you're oppressed. Let me just tell you something right now. Nobody in this room except for my wife, Natalie, sitting up front, knows what it takes and what I go through as a lead pastor. Does that mean we can't work together? Does that mean we can't learn from one another? Does that mean we can't move together in one, one area, like move together? You, you see, we're, 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 we're spending so much time working on what divides us, there, there's not unity here. And that's the problem here. If one group underachieves, it's the fault of the achievers. If one group is poor, it's the fault of the wealthy. And we have to assign blame and create and maintain tensions. It separates and divides. We see that right now. And public place spaces must be redone to accommodate the fluid gender identities. So a small percentage of the people are dictating to us how we have to think. But when it's contrary to this word, we got to think different. I grew up in Level Green. In Penn Trafford High School at that time, there were two black families in the whole school district. That's my only reference. When I moved out of Level Green, I moved to the Lower Hill District. I got an education. I'm not saying a bad one. It was just an education. I didn't know. I started, I didn't know that, you know, when you walked into the Upper Hill District at that time and you went shopping, I was the only white person in there. I didn't, nobody told me not to do that. But, but I had to learn about things that I just didn't know. But I had to learn them. And I, but I had to continue to allow God to shape my, my worldview. And not people. Not the media. Not Hollywood. Not who's most popular. And we're allowing all these other things to shape us here. Critical race theory, social justice, is dividing us into two groups. It's dividing the church. It's a problem. And the church needs to speak to it. I will not deny, because you can't deny, the history that has happened in the United States of America when it comes to race and slavery. You, you, can't, you can't deny it, okay? I mean, can't deny that there's been some really horrible things happen. But we need to move forward and have a biblical worldview. And all those things I said that we don't say 
because there's no biblical precedent, we don't say. Who wants to be a victim your whole life? Now think about this. I don't want to be a victim my whole life. I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. That's who he's created me to be. Do you know what it's called when we judge people based upon their skin color? Racist. I don't believe God judges that way. Just like he doesn't judge according to those other other areas that I said. See, furthermore, each group is either good or bad based upon their group. Do you know that this is nothing new? When when there's immigration coming into our country, the, the newest group in was the ones who uh, were taken advantage of. When the Irish came in, that, the Italian, I mean, everyone that came in, they were the ones pointed to. There's a problem. That's how we got Polish Hill. That's why you can go down to Bloomfield for the Italian days. Because they all congregated where they, their, their own kind. It was, it, are you following me here? But what makes us great is all these different ethnicities, but we got to have one culture. Where we judge according to character and integrity and honesty. That's where we have to go because the problem is even if you're a good person in a bad group, you are considered bad and you need to make amends to the good group. The problem is so multifaceted that that God created man and woman in his image. Are you with me? This is also founded in Marxism. You need to look up what Marxism is. It's a communist thought process. It wants to remove capitalism. I believe in sowing and reaping. I still believe if you work hard, there's a reward from God. God rewards me. I still believe in productivity. I still believe that when we serve God with our attitude at work, and I believe that everybody in here that's employed needs to regularly tell their boss, I'm here for one reason, it's to make you money. No, I'm serious. I want to make money. If, he, if they make money, maybe you'll get more. That's capitalism. Let me deal with Black Lives Matter. If you look at their website, it's changed. It's changed a lot. From 16, 18 months ago till now. Everything's changed on there. But the one term I keep seeing is they're the liberator. They bring liberty. Jesus Christ brings true liberty because he evens the playing field with this. So, let me be very clear. 
the statement, Black Lives Matter, is absolutely true. I don't even know how you could be a human and not say that Black Lives Matter. How can you be a person and not see the people matter, let alone in the church? But the agenda in the organization is getting us off track. You see, it wasn't long ago we all sat and watched George Floyd. Come on, who hasn't seen it? And we all watched it. And black, white, and everybody in between knew something was wrong. Just stay with me. Just stay with me. Don't send me emails of, of documented stuff. Don't. Just listen to me right now. Listen. We said something's broken and something's wrong. The problem then became we all got off focus because with, with rioting and fires and looting, we got off of what could be done. And we all got into a war. Black lives matter. No, blue lives matter. No, Asian lives matter. And we got, we got off on the wrong track because it became all this extra. Now, I'm not saying people aren't angry, and I'm not saying I, I understand anger, and I understand emotion, and I understand all these things. And, and I'm gonna say, wait a minute, when I saw that, I said, something's wrong. But, but it got us off track, and we had all these wars about which lives matter. They all matter. They all matter. Unborn babies' lives matter. And, and the same people that are promoting, and you can, you can find this documented, Black Lives Matter are supporting abortion, which was started to eradicate and remove the black race. No! Black unborn babies matter. And we got to do something about it. And so we got to put away now Asian lives matter and this lives matter. And it's like, no, we're getting off focus because all lives matter because there's a real heaven and hell to the victor. And we got to put aside our stuff. This movement Karl Marx started, an avowed atheist that wanted to eradicate religion from society. I'm sorry, just do, just do a little bit of reading on Venezuela right now and watch what this does. It destroys a, a nation that was once so prosperous. A pastor in the area, good friends with. He grew up in Venezuela. He can't believe what's happening. He has spent every dime to get his parents out of there. Because it once was prosperous and protected and peaceful and productive. 
And now it's a, it, it, it's a disaster. I've lived through the 90s where I went to so many reconciliation services. I mean, I, I stood up in front of groups of people of hundreds and thousands, and, and the thing was you have to stand up and repent for, to the Native Americans and then repent to the black and then repent for slavery and then repent. I, mean, I did it all. I did like over and over and over again. And um, what I realized at the end of the day, I mean, I didn't even have any ancestors in the United States of America when slavery was taking place. They all came after 1900. So, I mean, like they weren't even here. And I'm repenting for all these things I, I didn't do. Now, when I have a bad attitude, how many of you have ever had one? This morning. Yeah, seriously, we need to repent and get right with God. And let God reprove us, correct us, and restore us, and train us. But I can't repent over all these things because in Ezekiel 18.20, the child will not be punished for the parent's sins and the parent will not be punished for the child's sins. Righteous people will be rewarded for their own righteous behavior and wicked people will be punished for their own wickedness. I can't take responsibility for things I didn't do. But I can help us work together. Are you with me? So bear with me here. I, I, listen, I know these weeks have been going a little long and, and we're gonna get back on track. But uh, just hang with me here. I've had people look at me and say, you, you don't know what it's like to struggle. First of all, do you know what I do? But I've had people look at me and say, you've had every opportunity on the planet. You're right. I, I live in the, the greatest country. Come on. A lot of opportunity. And they said, well, you don't even know what it's like to struggle to go to school. I, I don't. When I started school, my dad just got, he got laid off. U.S. Steel was plummeting at that point. Got laid off after 29 and a half years service. No work at all. I fight, I fought, I clawed my way through everything. I went to school, and I'm not telling you, and listen, I'm just, just bear with me for a second. I went to school, lived in the Lower Hill District. I sometimes had to get two jobs. And that wasn't just two jobs to have fun money. That was because if I didn't work, I didn't eat. No, I took my car because my parents needed it, and I gave it to them. I would give everything I had to them. I don't, I don't begrudge that. Man, I feel bad for people that didn't go through that. But don't look at me and tell me that I've had everything handed to me. Because I have people tell me that a lot. White and black people, you have everything handed. I was like, really? Nobody pays my mortgage every month. I got to work hard. And I clawed and fought my way through. I'm a middle class guy. Working my way hard and diligently, raising five kids the best way we knew how. And listen, there was a lot more month than money, let me tell you that. But God always got us through. And I will be a generous giver. 
till the day I die, I'm gonna be a generous giver because God got me through those times. Every one of them. So what are we gonna learn? <laughs> what are we gonna learn? Um, maybe we can learn something here. Is, is your biblical worldview getting challenged today? No, I'm gonna challenge you, I'm, I'm serious. All of our worldview needs challenge. Don't tell me, don't look at me all holy. Only 9% of the people in church have a biblical worldview. Do you want me to start counting off? No, I'm serious. I can learn and I need to learn something because you know what, let's flip it now, let's flip it. I have never once had to tell one of my five children how they need to act if they get pulled over for a violation in the car. And God knows all five of them have gotten pulled over. I have never once had to say, if you get pulled over, this is how you better behave. This is where you better put your hands. I've never had to do that. I, didn't, I don't know about that. But for me to say that doesn't exist, no, it exists. I'm learning. See, I'm learning. I want you to learn. But just because I don't know everything doesn't mean I can't learn something. And together we can create a multi-ethnic, multi-socioeconomic, multi-generational, really cool place where God is honored. But we have one culture. And um, uh, I hope you're getting something out of this today. And uh, I'm going to close with this in uh, Micah 6.8. Micah 6.8, right? Just... The Lord God has told us what is right and what he demands. See that justice is done. When there is an injustice, I believe that it pleases God. We need to speak up. You reading the same word I am? And here it is. Let mercy be your first concern. So I'm challenging you today. Is mercy your first concern or is being right? Be right or be reconciled. Choose carefully. Last but not least, and humbly obey your God. Humbly obey your God. Humility works. And as Pastor Eric shared last week, I'm just going to recap it. And um, we have so many people fearful and prideful. And we have so people just plain old arrogant and prideful. Pride is not humility. Humility works. And what I believe is going to make a difference if see that justice is done. Justice starts with righteous justice. And then we need to do what's right. Let mercy be your, is mercy your first concern? No, is mercy really your first concern or is being right and communicating truth and they need to understand whoever they is? Humbly. Because in John chapter eight, when there was a woman brought to Jesus in adultery and, and she was clearly in sin, Jesus didn't let the Pharisees off the hook. He never let them off the hook. So they're okay, they're wrong, but what about you? Doesn't matter where you are right now. Well, they're wrong, but what about you? Will you stand to your feet with me today? Hey, um, 
Thanks for being such a great group. And uh, there's, a, there's a book. They're going to put it up here. I highly recommend it. We will not be silenced. Um, I, think there is, I think, yeah, there you go. Um, really, really good book. At the end of every chapter, there's a prayer. Because we've got to pray. Humble ourselves. Watch what God will do. That, but really, really good. You can listen to it or read it. Okay, here's the deal. Right now, just right in this moment, if you're here today and you say, and you're just saying, you know what, maybe there's something I can learn. If you're here today and your worldview is being just challenged in any good way possible, just slip up your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Just anyway, Lord God, I pray for every hand that's up right now. Every hand, every hand that's up, Lord God. Let us be your people. Challenge us, change us, transform us to be your people, not us, not me. Don't make it about me, God, but let it be about you, Father. So God, every hand that's up right now, would you let it be about you? Let us be a people in total alignment with heaven right now. And let us please you and serve you, Father. So God, I pray for every hand, Lord God, mold us, make us into who you want us to be with what God really did say. Go ahead, put your hands down. Now I'm gonna stop for a minute. Put your hands down, listen to me. It's not a racial, political, socioeconomic, it's a, it's a sinfulness of man issue. I wanna ask you today, do you have a date, a moment, a time where you became a follower of Jesus Christ? Because righteous justice, Jesus Christ paid for my sin on the cross. That's righteous justice. Do you have a date or a time or a moment where that took place? If not, I want to offer you a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and I want it to be today. I want to offer you today, August 22nd, Jesus Christ, forgiver of my past, leader to my future. And if that's you today, and you're saying, you know what? I want to know about this roadmap. I want to get on the right road with Jesus. Just and it, just slip up your hand right where you are so I can pray for you. Anybody here today, just slip up your hand. Just anybody here today. Anybody here today. I just want, I can't close without offering that. Anybody at all. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Just lift up your hand. So can, can we all lead in a prayer today? This is how the prayer goes. Let's all say it together. Let's say, Father God, forgive me. I have sinned. I've fallen short. But I ask you, Jesus, be my forgiver, be my leader, that I may be a follower of yours. Come on, let's give God a great big hand right now. We thank you, Father. And uh, listen, I just want to thank you so much for hanging with me here. And if you prayed that prayer for the first time, um, we're going to have somebody going to pray for you. They're going to pray for you in just a little bit. Could you be seated? Pastor Eric's going to close us up.